your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back, turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10, stiff arms a man, five dives. He is in, touchdown Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. I saw Adrian today's sporting a little beard. I don't think we've seen him kind of bearded up, have we? He's always kind of been a little scruffy. Scruffy, but yeah, no, nothing nothing of significance. <laughs> what a good kid. Um, wow, what a show we got coming up for you tonight. A lot of headlines. Some of the number of good news. We'll just throw that out there right off the bat, but we'll get to those here in just a minute. Brian Christofferson, Huskers 24-7, will be along. Get his thoughts about... Spring football, which gets underway Monday with the Huskers. Their first practice followed by a bunch of media opportunities. We're going to hear from the head coach Monday. We're going to hear from the offensive assistants, the defensive assistants, and a handful of players. After kind of a uh, two-month period with very little media activity for Husker football, it's going to come like turning the faucet on, like a spigot coming out of there on Monday. How, how long do those stories that they oh, gather. They'll they'll get enough for two to three weeks, don't you think? Yeah. Until spring ball is actually underway, and they might even just can some stuff. Well, the next media availability after Monday would be the next Monday. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a, like three practices before you get to hear from them again. So it, it'll be load-up time on Monday. Of course, of course, we'll have a full recap of all of it for you on Monday night's Sports Sunday. But BC will be here in a couple of minutes. We'll get his thoughts about what uh, what he expects to hear, see, during the next couple of weeks for Husker football. Hour number two, we will recap the Nebraska baseball win today. They beat Columbia, game one of a four-game series, 5-3. to three. Kyle Perry got the start today, got the win. He went five innings. We'll hear from him. We'll also play you a snippet of our latest Husker Sports Properties podcast. This one is about Will Bolt that you were heavily involved in. We're going to give everybody a little snippet of that. There's pretty good stuff in that thing. Yeah, it doesn't start out so hot in terms of fond memories. Uh, we kind of pick it up with the um, the Oklahoma State game last year and just how crazy of a 72 hours that period was from the time that Boone hit the homer to really w- when we got back and what happened the next day. So uh, it was a lot of fun to do for me, uh, you know, getting to be around some former Huskers and, you know, hear their thoughts on Will as a player and now as a coach and the guys did a really good job putting that together, and it, it turned out really good. So I think the fans are really going to enjoy that. It is up there for wherever you find your podcasts, wherever you can go download those. You can go find them also. You can get it off of our Husker Sports Twitter account. There's a link to that, and Huskers.com also has a link to that as well. But we'll play you a little bit of it so you can get a sense of what it's like uh, and then go listen to it in its entirety. Husker wrestling coach Mark Manny will be here. Huskers in the Big Ten tournament, which gets going tomorrow in Piscataway. We'll hear what he has to say about the Huskers' chances there. Nate Rohr will join us from Tempe, Arizona. The Huskers softball team played two games today. Unfortunately, they did not turn out well for Nebraska. They got beat by Oregon State and Wright State today. They're playing five games down there this weekend. Nate will give us the latest on that. We may be, maybe pulling him away from a spring training game. I know that's shocking that Nate Rohr might be at a spring training baseball game. 
that's probably the only way you'll ever get him away from one is to go talk about softball. Yeah. I mean, uh, all the other reasonings could wait. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, nice of him to, to give us some time tonight. We're going to cut you loose after hour two. We, ben and I called baseball this afternoon. we got a doubleheader tomorrow. Ben's going to get back to, to Omaha tonight. So we're going to let you go for hour three. So Austin's going to take your chair, so keep it warm for him. Uh, he's going to sit in with me and do the weekend preview. We'll hear from Heather Brink, Husker women's gymnastics coach, have our weekend review and our winners and losers coming up in the third hour of the program. And as always, phone lines are open and available to you at 866-HUSKER-1-866-487-5371. All right, let's go to the headlines of the day. I mentioned these weren't the best of headlines for Huskers uh, today. One deals with a former Husker, and that's Maurice Washington. His case has finally been decided in the California courts for his part in transmitting illicit videos uh, to a former girlfriend. She was involved in a sexual assault that was videotaped. Maurice was not involved in the videotaping or the assault, but he got his hands on the video. He sent it to her, or at least a clip of it, uh, via a text. Uh, he was arrested for this. This is all was going on last summer uh, when Nebraska was just getting camp going, right? You know, right sometime during that August camp is when this thing broke. Maurice then was suspended from the football team as no longer part of the Nebraska football team. But, Ben, he was sentenced today to 30 days in jail and two years probation. So he's going to do do jail time off of this thing that uh, now has come to kind of a, a conclusion. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting road uh, on this particular case. All the turns and delays and new dates and details of the case, it's um, – I'm glad it's no longer Nebraska's problem. Um, that's kind of my first thought with it is this isn't something that, you know, we have to deal with here anymore. And to be honest with you, it, it, it kind of puts in perspective what could have been for me, you know, to, to kind of reopen that Maurice Washington wound of him leaving. I just go back to the way he acted um, to his coaches and to his teammates after this was an issue and how many chances he was given here at Nebraska to uh, maybe right the wrong and it just it never seemed to click for him and every time he got a chance he let the chance pass by and you know eventually enough was enough and, the, and Nebraska decided to just cut ties with him uh, that to me is the biggest disappointment in this whole thing not even necessarily whatever this result would have been but just how how many times Nebraska gave him chances and he just couldn't capitalize on those chances and he wasn't willing to go the extra mile to prove to his teammates that he really wanted to be a part of this team so obviously this is a much smaller uh issue than the larger issue which is now he you know is a criminal and will have to serve jail time this is something that is going to be a challenging time for him as a human being and who knows what's left in his future and you hope this changes him for the right and doesn't sour his attitude just on life in general and um you know continue down this path because that would be uh, that'd be tragic to sit here and watch another life that you know has so much potential here at nebraska to get a degree play football at a high level and make some great connections and friends at a university instead you know to kind of see him trend in the opposite direction is really sad and you know you hope that this this experience for him 
uh, with their probation and the jail time is enough to kick him in gear and you know to want to go make something of his life. He he, and he showed enough in his time in Nebraska that he could play at this level. I don't know what the future holds for him, where he will land, if he still plays football at some point in time. I think he will. I think he'll play somewhere. I don't know where, but not going to be here. But I think he'll land somewhere. It's just the, the story's sad to me because you're right. The opportunity had been given and presented to him by the University of Nebraska. And he showed that he was up to that with his play on the field. Now, what he did off the field certainly didn't match up with that. Uh, but there is finality, at least in his case today. The other story, again, this is another one that's not well, that much fun to talk about, revolves around basketball player Cam Mack, who on Wednesday was, it was announced, was not going to be going with the he – was, he knew Wednesday morning he was not traveling with the Husker team to Michigan to play against the Wolverines last night. The announcement that he wasn't even on the trip came out about an hour and a half before last night's game against Michigan. Later on, after he was informed that he wasn't going to be making the trip with the team, he was involved in, allegedly involved in a hit-and-run accident in Lincoln. Uh, A woman reported to police that she was rear-ended near North 27th Street in Lincoln. According to her report to police, she slowed while a vehicle in front of her was turning. She was then struck from behind by a car that Mack was driving. This is the woman's report. The woman told police... Then Mac then pulled around her and left the area. She followed him to a nearby business where they waited for police to arrive. But before they did, Mac left. The, the report says that the crash caused about $1,200 worth of damage to the car. Police later located Mac at an apartment building. He told police that he didn't think he hit anyone, so he continued on his way. Um, Fred Hoiberg released a statement today saying, We are still receiving details and we are all... And we will have no additional comment until we have all the information regarding this matter. So the suspension from last night's game did not deal with this. It was something else. It was the fourth time that Cam has been suspended for a game so far this season. Where this season is almost over, Ben, Fred Hoiberg's going to have to make a decision about what he wants to do with Cam Mack moving forward. I, I, I think Cam Mack has put Fred Hoiberg in a pretty tough spot to continually defend him to keep him a part of this program. We'll see how it plays out in the next couple of weeks. But, man, a lot of strikes at Cam Mack in the last three, four months. And, I mean, at some point the responsibility isn't on Fred Hoiberg. I mean, ultimately he has to make the decision for what's best for his program and setting the example. I get all that. But, you know, as a young man, sooner or later you got to look yourself in the, in the in the mirror and go, okay. It's me. Yeah, it's – it's not anybody's fault but but mine. And Coach Hoiberg, it doesn't sound like, can get this fixed for him. I think the only one that can fix this is Cam Mack. Now, does he realize that? Does he understand that? Sure hasn't sounded like it to this point with disciplinary issues just keep getting you know, kind of thrown his way. But you're right. I mean, at some point, the coaching staff needs to you know, address him and address the situation and, and find out, you know, is this black guy worth it anymore to our program when, you know, this is year one. And, and, and whatever decision you make, like, that's the precedent that you're setting for your program. And that's definitely not what Coach Hoiberg wants to have to deal with right now with just two conference wins this season is stuff to deal with off the floor. We've heard so many good things about the seniors and Hanif and – Mate the last week and you you know you know guys like Thor and uh, there are other parts of this program that are really good and guys that are doing the things necessary off the floor 
but it takes one to kind of ruin that reputation. And, you know, you hope that it kind of gets straightened out with Cam and it's not um, an issue that, that continues past this. This may be the final straw. We don't know. And I think, um, you know, whatever decision Coach Hoiberg makes is going to be the right one. He's a guy with a lot of character and, and you know, high standards for his program. He wouldn't, he wouldn't continually keep Cam Mack here if he didn't think he would turn his life around. But at some point – you know, it's going to come to a head if things like this keep happening. Yeah. How many strikes do you get? It's just crazy. Without Mac last night, the Huskers, kind of we've seen this before. They hang around, play pretty well for a while, and then it just comes apart at the seams. They're down four and a half at Michigan. The Wolverines will outscore Nebraska 50-30 to 30 in the second half, win going away. And the Huskers now see their losing streak at 15 games. There's not a ton to recap of the game. It's 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 the same thing we've said over and over and over again with this seats with this team and this season, which will come to an end on Sunday when they wrap up the regular season at Minnesota against the Golden Gophers. Um, I like the effort. What I saw the first half, they were hanging around doing some decent things, but 22 turnovers. You're not going to win Big Ten games turning the ball over 22 times. It's just you know you, you're reading the book of the season of Nebraska basketball, and all that happened is we turned the page. And that that's just it. And you know you're never wanting a season to end, but you're getting the the feeling that this one kind of just needs to end. We just the way the Northwestern game happened, the Cam Mack news, the way last night happened. You get the feeling that this thing's just kind of leaking oil right now, and everyone in that building needs to just regroup, refocus, put a plan together for your offseason, start figuring out what type of goals and expectations you have for yourself next year, get on that road and start recruiting, finish up your class, and you know send a message to your team. I think that's kind of the next step right now. Um, with a 15-game losing streak and what's seemingly going to be uh, probably a short stay in the Big Ten tournament based on just the competition of the league. You know, that day is getting nearer and nearer. Um, but as for right now, the team, the coaches, everybody involved owes it to Hanif to finish this thing out the right way and, you know, play all, all the minutes that's left on the clock of the season. Yeah, more than likely, this basketball season has five days left because next Wednesday is day one of the Big Ten tournament. That's where you think it'll end. Huskers will finish off the regular season Sunday at Minnesota. Uh, We'll have the broadcast for you here on the Husker Sports Network. All right, those are the tough headlines we're dealing with tonight here in the program. If you want to be a part of it, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. When we come back, Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 will join us. We'll get his thoughts about the start of spring football practice on Monday. That's coming up next. We're back Friday night. Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Husker baseball a winner today, 5-3 over Columbia. Doubleheader with the Lions tomorrow. Begins at 12.05, pregame coverage at 11.30. Then on Monday, spring football gets going for the Cornhuskers. The first of 15 practices is Monday. One guy that I know is excited about that joins us now. That's Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7. I bet you're Foaming at the mouth to ask some questions of this staff, some players, and all that. We're going to get on Monday, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not foaming at the mouth. I don't want to go <laughs> too far, but uh, but I am. Uh, yeah, it's it's always good when when you get some football back in your life and uh, get a hear from the head coach and uh, some new guys on his staff too. So that'll be interesting. Been a while, right? I mean, really, the last press conference setting was December the 18th. You're talking them over. 
70 days. I don't know if Husker football's ever gone that that length of time without really kind of a a press gathering with a head coach, have they? Yeah, that's that's pretty that's a pretty long time. Um, and I know you've asked them some questions, and they've been good ones about you know uh, Matt Lubick and and some of the things that have gone on. So that's kept people up to date. But uh, it, it it's always uh, fun. They're going to have the roundtables with each assistant coach uh, available, and so you get a lot of different perspectives here uh, on one day. And so that's always a, a good thing for the fans. I think. Where, where do you where do you think this JD Spielman story is headed, Brian? What's your gut tell you? It's. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's my answer. I mean, I I feel like it's really up in the air if he's going to return, um, and I, I know they're hopeful he's going to. That's what Scott Frost said in his statement, and it'll be interesting uh, what he adds to that on on Monday. Um, JD, uh, something about him you can't question is uh, you know he's he's a tough kid. Uh, I think of that Illinois game last year in particular where, you know, he caught a bunch of passes and took a lot of big hits and he just kept getting up and coming back for more. Um, so it, it, it's a tough loss, though, this spring. Um, I mean, that's what I know for sure right now is that Matt Lubick enters this spring with, you know, four scholarship guys uh, to work with, and they're all young. Wandale Robinson suddenly is the old guy in the room from a scholarship standpoint. Um, he's got two redshirt freshmen and then true freshman Alante Brown. Um, now there's more to it than that. There's Cade Warner and there's, uh, you know, Chris Hickman's a tight end, but who can also play receivers and they've got walk-ons who will help. But this is a, this is a tough deal for Matt Lubick who came into, uh, a job situation as the wide receivers coach where he was going to have to get a lot of work done. And now it feels like the stakes are even raised a little bit higher when, you know, you have a guy who for three years in a row has had more than 800 receiving yards and he's not part of the equation. So I hope whatever it is with J.D. Uh, that has him up in Minnesota, I hope that gets figured out for his health, first of all. That's what's important before the football. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, that's going to be a huge story uh, on whatever happens with him. Brian Christofferson, a senior writer for Huskers247.com, joining us here on Sports Honest. Spring ball begins Monday. Huskers will have a practice in the morning and then a full-blown media blitz that afternoon with a press conference with the head coach at 1 o'clock. I know you have a piece up at 24-7 about the five areas of emphasis on the offense and defensive sides. Give us a sneak peek. What what are some of the things that you have you your interest peaked here as we start these 15 practices on Monday? Well, if you wanted one that just covers it all, almost, I could start with the class of 2019. Uh, those guys who are redshirt freshmen, and some of them are true sophomores, like Quentin Newsom and Garrett Nelson, those guys at every level, at every position group, are going to be probably some of the main uh, areas of intrigue from the fans, and Nebraska needs them to come along to help this two-deep out. It's going, it's going to be incumbent that those guys uh, – are on the fast track to helping out the depth chart because they've had some recruiting classes, some of them before Scott Frost got here in 2016 and 2017, and even some of the 2018 classes where a lot of those guys have disappeared. And so it's left holes on the roster. And so you're looking at guys like Ty Robinson and Bryce Benhart. And uh, a lot of these guys in the secondary, like Noah Pula Gates and Miles Farmer, they're young players, but Nebraska needs them to really push the competition 
And that doesn't mean necessarily starting, but it does mean driving the guys who are on the top line and maybe in some cases even beating them out. So I would start with the 2019 class on both offense and defense and say there's so many storylines that sprout out of just that alone. Uh, but obviously one on, you know, another one on on the offensive side is, is the wide receivers. It's what Matt Lubick can get done with those guys. And uh, the good thing is, with small numbers, uh, he can give them a lot of extra attention and a lot of attention to detail, and and hopefully by the end of spring they feel good about that crew, and then they get another new crew that comes in here in the summer that just signed that hopefully he can build them up in a hurry. So it's almost like there's two phases at that wide receiver position. And then on defense, I'm really interested in the secondary just because there's so many guys. It's, there's a lot of veterans back, like DiCaprio, Boodle, and Deontay Williams and Markel Dismuke. Uh, but then you've got the young guys who I think are going to really uh, drive competition and make it interesting and, and make those guys work for it. So Travis Fisher, he's done a great job of building that room, and I think we're going to notice that, especially when we look out on that field in the spring and see all these guys that weren't here a year ago. We're visiting with Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7. Spring ball for the Big Red starts on Monday, the first of 15 practices, which will culminate in the April 18th spring game at Memorial Stadium. All right, the head coach, first press conference Monday since December the 18th. Give me a couple of questions that either you're going to ask or you want to hear asked of him on Monday. Well, I think first off, you want to know about uh, what it was about Matt Lubick uh, besides their history, just within that history together when they were coaching at Oregon, what, what drew him to make him the guy that he wanted to hire for that job? Because it's such an important piece of the staff as a wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator. Um, I think you asked the same thing about uh, special teams as they, you know, they hired a senior analyst in, in Jonathan Rutledge, a uh, young guy who had you know, been coaching at Auburn. And obviously there's a lot they like from his resume to bring him aboard. I'm curious kind of what Scott Frost overall outlook is about special teams, what he specifically wants to change, if anything, about their operation and how they do things there. And also sort of the procedure of how they coach it, because um, they don't have a full-time assistant coach who technically – is listed as working with special teams, but that doesn't mean those guys won't be involved. So I'm interested in, in how that goes. And then I think there's there's some stuff like, you know, clean-up stuff with, like, Adrian Martinez. Like, where is he at health-wise? He obviously had the, the surgery in the off season. Is he ready to roll fully? Is Deontay Williams ready to roll fully? Um, there, you could go down the line with a few guys like that who've had some injury stuff that you're curious, are, are they are they ready to go right off the bat? And then sort of a inside baseball one, maybe. I'm interested on the offensive line, um, how much they want or hope to work Matt Farniak, who has been the starting right tackle, at maybe a guard spot if, if Bryce Benhart or somebody like that can come along and what that does to the O-line. So, um, those are just some questions that pop up to, in my head right off the bat, but I'm, I'm sure there's going to be more, more that come to mind. But, uh, it, but, yeah, there's a lot of ground to cover because it, it has been a little while since we talked to him. 
Yeah. You know, no, there's no doubt. I mean, yeah, we did have a, a TV show with the head coach where, where I got a chance to sit down with him in February, but December 18th and now is a really long time. Matt Lubick, I'm guessing, Brian, is going to have a table full of reporters when the, the offensive assistants come up for a 30-minute spin. It, it might be two, three deep surrounding his table. Yeah, I would guess so. Um, and uh, I totally understand, uh, even without asking a question, why you bring someone uh, like that along on your staff. I, it sounds like from the interviews we've done and everything I've read or heard that those guys had a special connection. And I think, you know, this won't, we won't know this in the spring, but I think it, they have the type of connection where the hope is that on game days, uh, it, it streamlines the process a little bit as you're calling plays and just the way they maybe uh, gel together. Um, and I also think it's important as you think about the wide receiver position last year, and all the struggles they had, and you know, guys weren't always in the right spot or getting open. Um, it's, it'll just be interested hearing the different ways that Matt Lubick looks at coaching that position and the details that he plans to stress and how he plans to coach a, a room that's really loaded with young guys. I mean, it's just full of redshirt freshmen and true freshmen uh, when this season arrives. And so I'm, I'm curious if he's ever had an experience quite like this with so many underclassmen. Um, you know, that, that you have to make into steady contributors right off the bat. Yeah. I'm, I, I would yeah, – these coaches have been through a lot, and Matt's been around a while, so maybe he has, has something he can kind of lean back on and do that. Well, BC, always a, a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on board. I know Husker Nation's sure ready for this thing to go. It's just been a, a long it, – it shows you when you don't go to a bowl game, right? I mean, it just there's a long time between end of season and, and the start of a spring ball. It really, it really uh, stresses that a lot to everybody. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that definitely uh, hurts the cause uh, as far as, you know, uh, sometimes getting information out and obviously it'd be great to be talking about a game in December. Um, and I know people kind of want to bat away the hype this offseason. I sense that from the fan base. But, um, you know, every every year is a new it's a new team. And it's, you start it over again. And, uh, you know, there's some, there's some guys that this staff in particular recruited that now get their chance to show what they can do. And so I think uh, you got to go into it with an open mind, and we'll see what happens. No doubt. BC, we appreciate it. Thanks. Enjoy your weekend. Yep, thanks a lot. Hour number two of our Friday night show. Thank you so much for spending part of your Friday evening on us. I looked out the windows during the break. We're right down here in the Haymarket. It's busy down here. You have state girls basketball going on in Lincoln tonight. Just two venues today, PBA and the Devaney Center, all the championship games are tomorrow. Looks like a lot of high school fans making their way through the Haymarket going over to PBA to watch some hoops tonight. Best of luck to everybody who's been over there today. And if you made the finals already for tomorrow, best of luck tomorrow. In those championship games that will be taking place at Pinnacle Bank Arena, the boys' championships next week here in Lincoln. Coming up this hour, we'll recap the Husker baseball game from today, a 5-3 Husker win. We'll hear from Kyle Perry, today's winning pitcher. We will also let you hear a snippet of the new podcast put out by Husker Sports, a new Husker Sports Originals podcast about Will Bolt, the rise from a player here to now the head coach. Here, what's part of that is about rave reviews coming in from all corners about this podcast. We'll hear from Mark Manning, Husker wrestling coach. The Big Red uh, in Piscataway tonight as they start the Big Ten Championships tomorrow. It's a Saturday-Sunday uh, tournament 
for the Big Ten. And then Nate Rohr will go from Piscataway to Tempe, Arizona. Nate called some Husker softball games earlier today. We'll hear how that action turned out for the Big Red later on in the day. And as always, phone lines open for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Husker's a 5-3 winner today over Columbia, game one of four at Haymarket Park for this weekend. Kyle Perry, who was the midweek starter last year for Nebraska, did a nice job, had a couple of wins a year ago, made the start today. Gareth Strobin still not able to go after some tenderness in his elbow flared up last week. So Nebraska opts to go Kyle Perry as the starter. They're trying to build him up. He was really didn't even start to throw until late January. He had had some arm issues over the winter, but so that he was on a very limited pitch count the first couple of weekends. They got him up to in the 60s today. He gave him five innings and got the win. Looked awesome. Pounded the strike zone, mixed his pitches well, um, and was able to give Nebraska a strong start, which is always a, a must if you're playing these four-game series. And for Nebraska – you know, playing ten games in twelve days, you need you need good starts and you need good good outings. And Nebraska got all that today. He was very sharp, the Millard South sophomore, and if he can kind of lock in, he's going to give Will Bolt, Jeff Christie, some options as they move through this season. Depending on what happens with Stroke, Kyle Perry could end up being in that weekend rotation for Nebraska. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think he's he's probably one of the first candidates up if something were to happen. So if he pitch, keep pitches like he did today, there's not going to be much competition for him. You were able to catch up with him in the dugout afterwards. I was. I just started out talking with Kyle about uh, what it felt like to be back on the mound starting, having a night to think about it, and getting yourself mentally prepared for another start. felt great. Um, I know it was just a matter of time where, uh, you know, I could find a you know a healthy spot this year, um, and uh, today was a great day to finally get the ball and um, felt great out there. So. Pitching in front of your home fans too, what kind Absolutely. of boost did that give you? You know, pitching there in a park that you're familiar with, but having all these people cheer for you. Oh my goodness, that's great. The Husker fans never disappoint. Um, you know, it's it's always it's always a pleasure to come out here and and uh, you know throw out in front of these fr- fans. Uh, you get two strikes and the crowd you know is clapping for you. Um, just juices you up even more and feels great once you get that final that that third strike and you know everybody erupts it's phenomenal let's talk, let's talk about your road back a little bit kind of a tough off season for you I haven't had to deal with much of this before but yeah. just you know your, your build back and kind of what the regiment was for you to just get healthy and get you ready for this year uh you know yeah it was it was a uh, new ground that I had to uh you know embark on it was it was a tough tough deal um you know I think things just happened uh very strange you know a little piece of bone floats around on my elbow and and kind of you know hurts it a little bit but um you know it was it was different but you know it made me appreciate the game more because you know on my road back it was um you know I all I wanted to do is throw the ball as hard as I could you know but I couldn't even touch a ball so um you know it, it was it was definitely new for me but um it, it everything happens for a reason and uh made me appreciate the game even more so who kind of helped you through that? I know you probably had some teammates that, that were shut down or going through that as well, but, you know, you guys t- seem to stick together when you're going through that. But, you know, who, who kind of helped you through and, and made that process a little easier for you? Um, you know, our our, uh, our training our training people here, you know, obviously Jerry, he's uh, just a great, great support group. Um, obviously, while helping me out a ton, couldn't be here without them. Uh, you know, and I, I'd never been through the rehab the uh the rehab program so that was that was so new and um I had a lot of you know teammates to lean on because a lot of them have been through the same thing you know um you know and just kind of asking for advice throughout the whole team it was they were really there for me and uh it was tough but but I'm glad we're here so 
How different of a feel do you have right now compared to last year? I remember Riverside, your first outing, they just kind of shoved you in with the bases yeah. loaded, and now you know you've you've experienced about everything there is. You pitched yeah. in a Big Ten tournament, and you know been in a regional. Not, what's the feeling now compared to a year ago when you hadn't experienced any of this before? Last year I didn't know what to expect, and this year I definitely know what to expect when I go out there, and uh, and I'm I'm going out there with a lot more confidence than I did last year. Um, because I, I was clueless. I didn't know what it was all about, and um, I'm glad I have that year under my belt. Um, you know, now I can go out there comfortably, know exactly what I, you know, what my job is, and uh, and execute. And that's and it. Once things start to slow down in your mind, you know, at the college level, it's things get a lot easier. And um, yeah, and that's something that you know I think a lot of freshmen go through. But yeah, it's definitely something I had to uh, I had to experience last year. So. I'm glad I went through it. The other thing different this year is we had to say goodbye to three starters, and there was a lot of roles up for grabs. Just what are the conversations like with the pitching staff about, you know, roles taking roles, supporting each other, and trying to fill this thing and, and get it get it to where it needs to be before conference play rolls around? There's all a common goal. We all have the same goal is to go out there and just win every game. Um, you know, obviously, you know, all the pitchers are competing out there for a spot. But when when the guys out there, you support and you, you're supporting them throughout the whole uh, throughout the whole game, um, you know. And when it's your time, go out there and compete. Um, we've been uh, getting preached that all last few weeks, and uh, it's just go out there and compete and um, and support your teammates, you know, because we're all one family. Obviously, we want that spot. Everybody wants that spot. Um, but whoever gets it, you just support them, and you know. When you get your turn, do the same thing. You've had to welcome a ton of freshmen in here. You got, we got a lot of guys in here that are going to have to provide innings and even the rest of the weekend with the four-game series, two midweek games, and then four next weekend. Um, you know, you kind of got your first look at what some of these guys can do. What's your What's your impression of what some of these young guns showed you last week against Arizona State? Absolutely. I think we got uh, – I'm glad they got that chance. Obviously, we didn't, like, drop in two of the three last weekend. Um, but I'm glad that, that a lot of the young guys got, you know, that – that experience because I know how, how it feels to go out there and get your feet wet for the first time and uh, it's big. It's big to get, go out there and throw the ball for your first time and get that under your belt. Um, I Very promising group of group of guys here. Um, you know, they're young. We went through it last year and uh, yeah, there's a lot of promise in that group and we're excited. I think they can really help us down the road. There's one guy that I want to I want to bring up to you, and that's Shea. He's obviously had yet to find the success that he had last year, but he's as competitive a dude as there is. How how, how are you kind of approaching you know him and trying to get him back where he needs to be? Because there's probably nobody that wants it more than him right Absolutely. now. Absolutely, juicing him up, just juicing him up all every day. Um, not really, you know. I'm not you know going up to him and you know giving him a hug and saying he's the greatest of all time. You know, I'm every every day though. I'm you know I'm I'm giving him giving him good feedback. Um, Tell him at least one good thing he did during catch, or, or in his pen, or whatever he may be doing that day. Um, just yeah, out, just being there for him. Obviously, we all go through tough times. You know, it's just a game, but um, just make sure his confidence is still there because he's he's a great pitcher, obviously. Um, but yeah, we we need him out there. So just keep juicing him up. You know, we need him out there. So. Kyle, appreciate it. Great job so, today. Get that arm iced up. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks, thanks buddy. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Kyle Perry, Nebraska starting pitcher today with us seven strikeouts two off his career high today and was just awesome um lost one to a win-aided home run but other than that darn near perfect five innings gives gave up the one run no walks that's what i loved about his performance today he gets the win his first victory of this season had two last year so his third win as a husker doubleheader tomorrow 
noon, first game. Kobe Gomez to pitch game one. Kate Povich to pitch game two. Nebraska's TBA on who they will start in the Sunday finale. So a lot of baseball headed your way tomorrow. Well, earlier this week, we dropped our latest edition of Husker Sports Properties Originals. Nebraska baseball from grit to glory. It's the story of Will Bolt from his playing days to his coaching career and then his return back to Nebraska. You narrated this piece. Give people a little uh, feel for what this is all about. Yeah, I think the idea behind it was to just kind of blend, um, you know, the past of Husker baseball and um, the, the the irony of that is Will Bolt's been a part of all of it. You know, when, when this program started to turn in 1999, um, you know, he was a part of that. He was a freshman that year and uh, obviously being a part of the team that first team to make it to Omaha and, you know, back again as a as a volunteer coach and ironically enough you know charged with taking over a program left by coach Erstad um in a really good spot a team that was almost a sweet 16 team a year ago and you know to take that over and we wanted to blend those two stories together of how Will got here his whole story and also the direction of Husker baseball thought it turned out awesome Josh and uh and the boys in the back just did an awesome job putting it together. So we'd like to play a little bit for you now, just a, a sneak peek of what you can hear from Grit to Glory, the story of Nebraska baseball. Will Bolt had success as a player, but it was coaching that would pave his future in baseball. I think the transition was just like you kind of just get in game, you know, playing mode. And as a player, you're thinking, well, I'm just going to play forever. You know, and I, so I kind of had to make some decisions, didn't get drafted. And so I was like, OK, well, I can go the free agent route or maybe independent ball route and kind of just having conversations with coach Childress and Andy Sawyers at the time. And some people that I really respected coach Anderson. Hey, I think you'd make a good coach if that's something you'd want to do. And I said, I thought about it, but I just wasn't sure if that's, so I think kind of just, I had a year in between. I was just finishing my degree in 2003 after my playing career was done and really just did some soul searching on what I really wanted to make of my career. The 04 season was, I was able to, Coach A kind of created a position for me as grad manager that kind of helped propel me. And I realized right away that that was what I wanted to do at that point. Bolt got his first opportunity as a coach at Texarkana Junior College back in his home state of Texas. You get to a Texarkana and you realize this is all on me and, and my staff. You know, we're the field crew. We, we drive the vans. You know, we make the scheduling. We set up the meals. We do all of it. So that you really... I think those years I was at Texarkana were probably the biggest growth for me uh, personally and professionally. Just being on our own, we bought our first house in Texarkana. I got my first paycheck. So there was a lot of learning going on in those years. And that was a looking back on it. That was the best decision I could have ever made was to go that route. But for Will Bolt, the path was always destined to lead back to Nebraska. Yeah. So uh, Darren gets the job and I had a missed phone call from a California number on my cell phone. And I was actually in my backyard. We were having a grill out with the Harvell family because they were there coaching with us. And my phone was inside and I came back in and I saw I had a California number missed phone call. And so I had a voicemail from, from Darren. And so he said, hey, I, I got this job at Nebraska and I want you to come coach with me. This is, I've heard enough things that lead me to believe that this is going to be a great fit. So I ended up coming up here and visiting with him, sitting down and, and realized that we were very aligned and kind of what our thoughts were about what needed to get done. And so very thankful for him. You know, again, I was a junior college coach at the time. So him 
kind of taking that chance on me to get, essentially put a lot on my plate. You know, I was ran the offense, coached third base, coached the infielders, kind of helping Darren on the day-to-day things. And so that was something I'll always be thankful for. I'd never been through the process of finding coaches before. He was the absolute first phone call that I was making. And I, I actually called him before he, because he had interviewed for the job and applied for the head job. And I actually offered him the assistant job before he was told that he didn't have the head job. So it's kind of an awkward thing, but absolute no brainer with him being the shortstop on the team that got Nebraska over the hump and, and got him to Omaha and knowing that he had already had different stops as a coach and was the head coach of Texarkana. I was going to do everything in my power to get him here. So I leaned on him a ton and just for the structure of practices and a lot of drills and, you know, some coach speak and just certain things from that standpoint on the offensive side, especially, and just, you know, how, how you're going to go about, you know, your daily business. He, I leaned on him a lot and I couldn't have done it without him. However, Coach Bolt had his eyes set on the SEC, opting to return to the state of Texas in 2014 to take a job on Rob Childress's staff at Texas A&M. It was tough. It was real tough. We were really moving things in the right direction here. Um, had been to a regional after, in 13, we were basically one game away. We kind of started to chip away and we were second in the league and second in the tournament and still not a regional team because we got off to such a tough start. And then in 14, we were a good team. We were, felt like we were really moving things in a really good direction. And, you know, my love of, of Nebraska and being here in Lincoln and just, you know, working for Darren, those were all, it was tough. It was a tough decision. But, you know, again, looking back on it, it was another experience for me to gain knowledge and, again, some things that, man, this is going to work. Maybe this is something that's not going to work. This is uh, – and I got to work with, you know, Rob again and Justin Seeley, who uh, was my college roommate, and we were in each other's weddings. And so it was a tough decision, but it was it was good, you know, from a standpoint of we had – our middle son at that time was really young, and so we were getting closer to family and – just having a chance to coach in the SEC, that was uh, a great experience. Just a sneak peek of what you can hear on Nebraska baseball from grit to glory, the uh, the newest Husker Sports Network originals we put out. There's some awesome stories that came out of that from Will, from Darren, Jeff Lisey, Dan Johnson. Uh, it's, it's pretty good stuff, just a small piece of what you can hear on that podcast. I think it runs close to 30 minutes, so set yourself some time. If you've got a long drive, hook it up, plug it in, take a listen. We're back Friday edition of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. This weekend in Piscataway, New Jersey, it's the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. The Huskers rank fourth in the country. That's the good news. The bad news is teams one, two, and five are also there. All Big Ten members. It has been a loaded year in the Big Ten Conference on the wrestling mat. Joining us now is Husker wrestling coach Mark Manning. Coach, thank you for taking some time. I know it's really busy. Um, can you believe you're already to the league meet? This thing has just flown by. I don't know where February went. Yeah, it sure does, Greg. It's uh, it's like Groundhog Day. It's just uh, repeat the week, and you know, with with wrestling being a lot of Friday, Sunday matches, it's um, you know usually quick turnarounds, and and uh, you know getting on the road on a Thursday, and then getting back late Sunday night, doing it all over again. The 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 weeks just fly by. And, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Eva, you know, the month of February was a flash. So uh, now it's that's a really fun time right now in March, and, and uh, that's when we want to be wrestling our best. Well, and you'll need to. I mean, this is a, this this conference been a, has been unbelievable this year for the top five 
teams in the country reside in the Big Ten. How is this meet different, Coach, than the NCAAs? Well, it's it's not too much. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting enough, it's um, it's like a mini national tournament in some ways. I mean, there's a number of weight classes. Um, I mean, C.J. Red as the number one and number two ranked guy in this in the country, and he's ranked fourth in the country. Um, so almost the same thing at at 158, you know, or 165. I'm sorry, with Isaiah White, he's ranked fourth in the country, and he's got number one, number two, and number three in the yeah. country. Wow. In the Big Ten, you know, um, Eric Schultz got, you know, he's he's ranked, I think, fifth maybe, and he's got the number one ranked guy in his weight class. Heavyweights got the top two heavyweights in the country in the Big Ten. So it's, uh, you know, you you know, you're uh, you went through a tough season with with the competition we faced in the Big Ten, and then you do it all over again this weekend. But you know, it's all. It really comes down. It doesn't matter what you did during the year, really. It matters what you do this weekend and then two weeks from from now at the NCAA tournament. So it's really exciting. I think our guys are in a good place. You had that intense stretch about a month ago where it was Wisconsin one night, then it was Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State was mixed in there. You, you haven't had as much action in the last couple of weeks. Is that by design to give your guys a little bit of recovery time before you get in the league? Yeah, this, this uh, you know, two weeks ago we wrestled Minnesota at Minnesota. It was on the road. Um, and then we, we took last weekend off, which was by design. In, in past years we've we've had a non-conference duel that we've forced in there. We went out to Stanford a couple times. So it's, uh, yeah, you know, our league is so tough. Our guys are, you know, we, we had some guys banged up in January and early February. Now we're we're as healthy as we've been at the beginning of the year. And so that's most important. And plus we don't need any more competition. We just need <laughs> what's coming uh, here for us this weekend. And then at the NCA. So um, I, I think we're, um, we're competition ready already. You mentioned you had some guys banged up. One of those was Isaiah. It, it, do you, are you confident that he's yeah. got his legs back underneath him? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Him and Eric Schultz both had bad ankles. And uh, they're both 100% now. And Peyton Rob had a bad knee, um, little, uh, you know, just a little uh, ACL tra- strain. And and he's a lot better. He's 100%. So, and and CJ was was the same thing. He had a little banged up knee, and he's he's doing well. So, really like where our guys are, and they feel strong and healthy. And man, it's going to be a fun weekend. You know, we, we've talked so much in the past about Isaiah and and and, and CJ Red. Eric Schultz looks like he's had an awfully good year for you, Coach. How would you assess his season to this point? Yeah, absolutely. Eric Schultz is uh he's he's uh, he's got a big motor on him, and Eric's always had that his whole career, and now he's you know guys develop, and and part of the developing is is figuring out what what their strengths are and how to use them in competition. You might know how to do it in, in the practice room, but you have to do it on competition. And Eric's really made that transition well and really developed his, his not only his skill set, but how his, you know, his style is and really forcing his style. He's very aggressive and, you know, he really wants to make conditioning part of the battle. And um, he really forces people to, 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 <laughs> to mix it up with him and, 
like you mentioned, he's he's had a tremendous uh, season. Now he now he, he he's got his goals right in front of him, and he's he's uh, geared up. We're visiting Nebraska wrestling coach Mark Manning Huskers off to Piscataway this weekend for the Big Ten Championships. It's going to be a war zone for some of that work there. One guy that, to me, a couple weeks ago, Coach, it just seemed off a little bit, was Taylor Vince. What did you see from Taylor? And, and when you get a guy that's kind of just maybe off his game a little bit, what, as a coach, what do you do to try to build them back up? Yeah, you know, just a lot of conversations with uh, with with Taylor. And Taylor, uh, for sure, in the, in the month of January, he was very up and down. And in February, he performed really well. You know, he, you know, he he won. He beat a really tough Minnesota guy, and he beat a really good uh, Michigan uh, opponent there the week before. And so he's he's on a little bit of a roll now, and he's at a really good place mentally. It's just guys get down and out. The season gets long, you know. Um, so it's it's uh, <laughs> coaching's not easy. He got challenges of. You know, schoolwork, social life, guys trying to figure out how to be a national champ. They put extra pressure on themselves, and and usually they just start overthinking things. And Taylor's at a really good uh, spot right now. He's he's uh, he's got a calmness to him, and got a peace about himself, and he's uh, he's ready to be a national champ. So, looking forward to it. No doubt. Well, uh, Husker football starts spring practice on Monday. One guy that's as a signee for them is not here yet. He'll be here over the summer is Nash Huttmacher, who has had an unbelievable prep wrestling career. And I know you're aware of Nash. Is there Have there been discussions, Coach, with Nash, maybe doing some wrestling uh, once the football campaign ends, or is Scott Frost going to let you anywhere near that guy? <laughs> well, I think Nash wants to definitely – that was uh, kind of – you know, when, when I talked to him in the recruiting process about coming over and working out and, and do some training in the off season with us is probably definitely out there. Um, but it's all about what Scott and, and his staff feel, you know, Nash needs at the time, but we'd love to have him over the room. I know him well, and he's a tremendous guy and great competitor and just even better character type of guy. And, I think uh, pretty much the whole state of Nebraska <laughs> have, has a pretty good grasp what this guy's all about. And uh, it's, you know, just high character, humble, down-to-earth, hard-working guy. And, man, you can't get enough of those guys on your team. Yeah, no doubt. All right, what's, what's kind of maybe the final message from you to your guys? I mean, when you, get, you gather the team before you head to the arena on Saturday, what are some of the final things you want them to be thinking about? Well, really just compete freely. You know, it's um, – you know, pressure gets to people and, and uh, you know, the, the, the fear of you think, man, it should, should be an exciting time, and it should be, and that's why you, you want your team thinking. And I think our guys, you know, just this year our, our team is different from the standpoint. We went in Carver-Hawkeye Arena, and, you know, for wrestling people that don't understand what that's like, it's, it's a gauntlet. You know, 15,000 fans there that night, and we – we competed our butt off and you know, really had a chance to really win the duel. The score didn't really seem like it, but there was four matches that came down to the last takedown of the match. And so we're going to face some of those guys this weekend. We know Iowa's at their best at their home court, and uh, now we're going to compete against those guys on a neutral site, and we're really excited about that. And um, 
really just compete freely, you know, Greg. So we're uh, we're excited about it. Well, good luck, Coach. We'll be tracking it throughout the weekend and following how the Huskers are doing on the mat. We know you're going to represent the, the end proudly, and we certainly appreciate your time as always, Coach. You bet, Greg. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. We're back. Sports Nightly Friday night. Just talk with Mark Manning, who's in the East Coast in Piscataway, New Jersey, for the Big Ten Wrestling Championships. We now go to the West Coast or nearby Tempe, Arizona, where Husker softball is competing this weekend at Arizona State. They're playing five different games against five different teams. Nate Rohr had to call on a couple of those today. I bet it's a little warm out there today, isn't it? Yeah, we got into the 80s before everything was done. Uh, first pitch temp this morning was in the mid-60s, and it was just below 70 before we started our – or just below 80 before we started our second game. But we were into the 80s uh, by the end of the day, and I, I regret to inform everybody that was probably about the biggest positive about that and Tristan Edwards, and that's what went right for Nebraska today. Well, you knew the Oregon – you opened with Oregon State. I think you felt like going down there, that was going to be a pretty challenging game, and and it was. It was a bit of a a back-and-forth game. Uh, But that one seemed like a pretty decent effort, just not coming out on the right end. Yeah, Mariah Mazon, uh, Oregon State's pitcher, is off to a terrific start this year. She's now 10-5. and She has an ERA under one. Uh, She's really gotten off to a great start this year. So it wasn't surprising – that Nebraska had a tough time with her. And even there, I mean, Nebraska got to within one run. They were able to get some runners on base against her. But in the end, just couldn't break through and and couldn't push across another run or two to beat her. And you look at what Oregon State did. Oregon State jumped on Lindsey Waljasper early in that game, posted four runs. But from there, they didn't do much of anything. And then when Waljasper got into trouble, uh, Nebraska took her out of the game and brought in Olivia Farrell, and she put out the fire very well. So there was a, there were a lot of encouraging things out of that game against Oregon State. You could just kind of chalk it up to facing a great pitcher in Mazon and and Oregon State just getting out to a better start than. So then the quick turnaround. I think you had about this over a little over a half hour between games. You came back to take on Wright State, and this one I think going in you would feel like this should be a Husker win. And mm-hmm. for a chunk of the day, it looked like it was going to be, right? Yeah, and Nebraska got out to a one to nothing lead. Tristan Edwards hit a home run in the bottom of the first inning. And so at that point, you're feeling pretty good about where you're going and, and where the game is shaping up. But uh, Nebraska left three people on base in the next three innings. They did push the lead to 3 nothing, but then uh, Wright State was able to break through. They loaded the bases against Courtney Wallace, and Nebraska took her out of the game there. And unfortunately, Olivia Farrell wasn't able to come on and, and shut off the threat immediately. She gets up a hit to allow one run and then retires the next two batters. And you're starting to think, well, Nebraska's going to get out of this mess still leaving it. But then a two-run single by Brianna Hutchinson tied the game at three. And, and the Nebraska offense was, was just kind of spinning their wheels the rest of the game from there. And and ultimately, Wright State put up three more runs in the seventh and, and won it six to four. Nebraska got a run in the seventh, but it ultimately didn't matter. But uh, the fact that Nebraska wasn't able to hit Wright State a little better is a bit concerning. And Ronda Ravel juggled the lineup around in that game. In the bottom half of the lineup, 
she switched out four of the bottom five players, but the changes didn't really spark the lineup. And, and as a result, Huskers lost to a right state team that, you know, came in at five and 10. Uh, they had played Arizona state and Oregon state uh, yesterday. They lost those two games by a combined 20 to nothing. Oh. So uh, you walked in thinking that that should be a Husker victory. And, and the fact that Nebraska was not able to capture it was disappointing. Well, and, and I know you felt really good about last weekend's series in Columbia where Nebraska beat two quality teams on Sunday. And and doggone it, the momentum didn't carry over, did it? No, no, not at all. And, and that's disappointing because you, you feel like, uh, you know, after that team was able to really rebound from their lowest lows. I mean, arguably last Saturday – was as bad as it's gotten for Nebraska. Uh, getting blown out by a Wichita State team that's a step back from last and losing to Mizzou uh, by a pretty good month. You know, it, it's, it's it, the fact that they were that far down and then figured out a way to beat both those teams the next day was encouraging. But unfortunately, whether it was facing Maison in that first game, getting tied up by her and just kind of fighting their confidence offensively or the slow start or whatever it might have been. They just couldn't carry it over. And it's becoming a theme with this team, for better or for worse. It's really picking something out of a box of chocolate to figure out where this team's going to be, where they're going to go, what they did last, last night, last game, last weekend. just seems to have absolutely no bearing on what's going to happen in the next week. Okay, you're you're not even to the halfway point of the weekend yet. What's still ahead? Give me the, the layout for the next couple of days. So it's Lehigh and Nebraska. Um, Lehigh and Nebraska tomorrow afternoon, 3 o'clock central first pitch. Another game Nebraska probably should win, but, you know, we were saying that about Wright State, and we've said that about plenty of games this year where it's not – gone the Huskers way. So Huskers and Lehigh tomorrow at three. And then right after that, they take on a good but not dominant Arizona State team. Uh, the Devils are 17th in the country. Solid. Another good offense. Uh, so that game will wrap up the Saturday action. And then Sunday, they take on New Mexico State an 11 a.m. first pitch. And uh, the Huskers lost to New Mexico State the first weekend of the year. So uh, should be a lot of runs scored in that game. Both teams with very good offenses. We'll see if that pans out. All right. Nate, I don't know if you know this. The Phoenix area has quite a bit of, of spring training sites for Major League Baseball teams. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. You may, Maybe you can stumble into a game or something while you're down there. Uh, you know, I, I'm very close to a ballpark right you now. They're all light. I smell the jalapenos for nachos. I yeah. hear the crack of the wooden bat. You know, I may just walk in and investigate and see because it sounds and smells like baseball, so I think I'll check it out. Well, if you don't have a game till 3 o'clock Central tomorrow, you've got some, you've got some downtime ahead of you here. Yeah, and the, uh, the fathers of the Cactus League saw to it that there'd be at least one game that we could watch in its entirety, so we're catching Dodgers and Mariners tonight out at uh, Camelback Ranch. It's uh, you know, the only disappointing part is the Royals were in Tempe today. Uh, and, of course, the Huskers are still in Tempe and all of that. But uh, the Royals game with the Angels uh, was going on while we were playing. But I'm just happy that we're able to catch a full Cactus League game. 
There you go. I would expect nothing less. All right. Well, have good luck. Let's get some wins the rest of the weekend. No problem. Hopefully, hopefully things are able to turn around. And the way this year's been going, uh, I'm confident if for no other reason than what happened yesterday hasn't carried over to uh, tomorrow. So uh, I'm fairly confident we'll see an entirely different picture tomorrow. Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30, Wandale 25-20, 15-10-5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And we're back. Not Greg and Ben, but Greg and Austin's going to sit in here. We cut Ben loose. Been a long day. Called baseball. He's going to drive back to Omaha. Back here tomorrow for doubleheader. So we'll let him loose. Austin's going to sit in for the hour. And here's what we have coming up in the next 60 minutes. We'll have our weekend preview. Get you all set up and ready for the next couple of days in the sports world. We'll hear from Heather Brink, Husker women's gymnastics coach. they got a big weekend ahead, including a big ribbon-cutting ceremony that's just wrapping up tonight out at the, the Devaney Center. We'll have our week in review and our winners and losers for the week. But we start off the hour with the preview. It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend. Come in, watch. It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day. But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Austin Orman. Busy weekend ahead of us in Husker sports yet again. It's March, right? It's it is be. March. This is March, in fact, yeah. you might say. So baseball season in full swing. We'll start with that. You were just there today. Huskers get the first home win of the Will Bolt era. 5-3 to three over Columbia. Kyle Perry, really, really good in this one. Sure did. Gave you know, Nebraska five solid innings. He was on a pitch count, but he was able to get through five and just over 60 pitches. And uh, they had to use Schreiber. He probably threw Austin more than than he they like would have liked to bring him back on Sunday. But I think he threw enough today. I, I doubt he can come back on Sunday. But they got the win. They didn't swing the bats particularly well. But maybe that's coming with a doubleheader tomorrow. Leighton Banjoff got another one, though. Sure did. Yeah. Mentioned Schreiber, that'll come in key on Sunday because of the doubleheader on Saturday, 12.05 first pitch, 11.30 pregame for that one. Colby Gomez gets the start, mm-hmm. and then Cade Povich in game two. Got to hope those guys give you a lot of innings so you can have a bullpen day on Sunday if you need both, it. Both those guys are capable of taking it fairly deep into the game. So my guess is Nebraska's got more pitching than Columbia does, so getting them one today. So it'll be a long day at the park tomorrow. Should be good weather for it, though. Great weather for it. Maybe a little windy. Maybe. A little breezy. <laughs> it was pretty blustery yesterday walking to oh, class. They're saying tomorrow will remind people of yesterday. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it could be fun catching pop-ups tomorrow. <laughs> hope it's blowing out when Nebraska's at bat. Hope no it's doubt. blowing in. Get it swirling around. So, three games remaining yet this weekend in the first home series of the Will Bolt coaching era for Nebraska as baseball team comes home with nice weather. The softball team leaves it, but they go to Tempe. Just out there was the Husker baseball team. Husker softball lost its two games today, but they get two more tomorrow. Tough ones today, Oregon State and Wright State. Nate Rohr heard from him, Mm -hmm. enjoying his time out in Tempe. Also, nice weather there typically is this time of year. Yeah, it's hot this week. They're in the 80s out there this week. Whew. 
So again, tomorrow, Lehigh, 3 o'clock central first pitch, 2.45 pregame. And then Arizona State about a half an hour after game one. Arizona State has not gone outside of Tempe for more than one weekend so far. Three tournaments and then this one, the 4-1 last weekend. 16-6 and six overall. That'll be a tough one. Must be nice not to ever have to leave your state to play games, right? No kidding. I mean, how long did it take Nebraska to get a home game last year across yeah. baseball and softball? No doubt. Late March, early April? It was late March. So then Nebraska softball Sunday as well. They'll cap off their weekend, New Mexico State, 11 a.m. And they played them, remember? First they did. weekend of the season, they opened in mm-hmm. Las Cruces. They did. So another rematch for the Huskers with New Mexico State. Husker men's basketball won more game. They'll play on their third straight senior day. First their own last Sunday for Northwestern, Thursday at Michigan senior day, and now at Minnesota noon tip for the Gophers senior day. Only a few seniors on the roster don't all get big minutes. Kent and Jake have pregame at 11 ahead of that one. First matchup with the Golden Gophers this Mm -hmm. year. Kind of weird. Yeah. And there's a slight chance, Austin, that they could play again in three days. Slight. I don't. I think the odds went down if that could happen, but that'd be one of those quirky things where you play them on Sunday and then turn around and play them in the tournament on Wednesday. That would be very Big Ten. Yes, it would be. This conference is something else. Daniel Oturu going to be a load for Nebraska to handle. Gabe Kelcher, very good, and Marcus Carr triumvirate of very good players there for the Golden Gophers. Back here in Lincoln, Husker Women's Gymnastics in action. We'll hear from Coach Heather Brink. Got a conversation uh, with her coming up soon. Home meet against Missouri, 7 p.m. Should be a good one there. Nebraska 19th in the country, Missouri 16th. Another really big matchup for the women's gymnasts. they got to get that Devaney Center converted because it's the last two days been busy with a lot of state basketball going on, but they'll put the gym mats out for tomorrow. Get them out, put them right back away for the Boys State Tournament coming up next weekend. First 250 fans at that Husker Women's Gymnastics meets get free t-shirts. So a little bit of incentive for you to go there. And Husker Wrestling, they have their Big Ten Championships this weekend. They go to the rack, the Trapezoid of Doom up in Piscataway. Four sessions, a couple of them Saturday, one Sunday, and then championships at 2.30. Six wrestlers in the top five in their class. Huskers will be a factor in this thing. We talked with Mark Manning earlier in the show. I mean, four of the top five teams in the country are in the Big Ten. So this is essentially another NCAA meet that will be taking place this weekend. We wish the guys well. Absolutely, we do. A couple other Husker happenings this weekend. Men's golf team following softball out to Scottsdale. Not spring training for them. They're in the Desert Mountain Intercollegiate, hosted by Michigan. Weird one out there in the desert. Mm -hmm. Women's tennis here at home. Uh, with Wyoming and Illinois State. And then Husker Bowling at the Music City Classic in Nashville. Hope this bowling goes better than the last time a Husker team went bowling in the Music City. <laughs> nice. But um, tis. So that's it for the Husker happenings this weekend. Plenty, plenty, plenty of college basketball on the docket, though. A number of conferences are in their conference tournament weeks. We'll get to those in a little bit. But it's the last week of the regular season all around. Big headlines, though. Two games have been canceled already due to issues with coronavirus and travel. Chicago State said, nope, we're not coming to Utah Valley. And UMKC said, nope, we're not going to Seattle. Mate Kavas, you. Of course, there was the first confirmed case out there in Washington that resulted in a death. So I don't necessarily blame UMKC for that one. Yeah. Or are they saving money? Why not both? <laughs> oh, we can not take a trip and we can bank the airline miles for next year. Oh, okay. We can maybe do that. Funny how that works out. Uh, we'll see. Well, <laughs> games call that... me skeptical, but... <laughs> no kidding on that one. So plenty of games that are happening, though. 11 o'clock, get three big ones right away. Villanova at Georgetown. Nova can play their way into a share of the regular season title in the Big East. 
Auburn looking to avoid catastrophe at Tennessee. And then Wisconsin at Indiana. That's an interesting matchup there at Assembly Hall. Still plenty on the line for both of those two teams. Wisconsin can still be the one seed at the Big Ten tournament. So there's, yeah, there's something to play for there, no doubt for the Badgers. Wisconsin's been so good since Micah Potter came back. He, sure have. He was an addition. Then at noon, you got a couple of big games, top 10 teams in action. Baylor goes to West Virginia, who's unranked. Heck of a skid for the Mountaineers. I compare them to Rutgers is kind of what they're looking like recently. And then the other one is Kentucky at Florida, that one with SEC implications at the Swamp. 1 p.m., top team in the land at Kansas goes to Texas Tech. This is going to be a fun one. Yeah, that will be. Tech will be ready to guard them. That they will. Chris Clark on Devin Dotson should be a fun matchup. Also at 1 o'clock, a Big Ten game. Rutgers and Purdue. This one at Mackey. Rutgers at 10-9 and nine in conference. Purdue at 9-10. and 10. So, again, another game with plenty on the line. Nothing set in stone in the Big Ten. Austin, Purdue still convinced, even though they're like 11th or 12th in the standings in the league, they're still convinced they can get themselves an NCAA tournament bid. We'll find out in a couple weeks. But if they think that, they have to win that one tomorrow. Absolutely. I am not nearly as convinced as Purdue is. But, hey, dream big, Boilers. Yeah. Can't blame you. For that one, one thirty, Seton Hall goes to Creighton. They'll be at the CHI Health Center. Another one, uh, winner of that in the driver's seat for the one seed in the Big East Tournament. 215 out west, UCLA, resurgent UCLA. Boy, hottest team in the country at USC. And I'll let you pick your favorite between these two games at three. Don't know how hard of a time you'll have doing this. You got number 10, Louisville at 22nd ranked Virginia. Pretty good. Also 20th ranked Penn State at Northwestern. I think that's a fairly easy one to go with. (laughs) Same. <laughs> Another big one in the ACC a couple hours later, though. Got the North Carolina Tar Heels at number 12. Duke, Carolina thinks they owe Duke something for what the Blue Devils did at the Dean Dome. Same day Nebraska went to Iowa. How about that? What a year for Carolina, huh? What a year indeed. Oh, boy. I almost feel like you got to give old Roy coach of the year just for getting through this one. <laughs> Man, this did not see that kind of year. I know there's nobody that roots for Carolina, covers Carolina, Felt like they were going to have a year that they've had. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Another team that's surprised people, but in a good way. Dayton ranked third in the land. They get college game day for their game against George Washington. But you get to watch the game on ESPN+, Plus, so you probably don't get to watch the game. You're the majority of the country. You know, but I know some Husker fans bought that a few weeks ago because their baseball series with Baylor was on it. But it's not overly expensive. But it's the way of the future, Austin. Get used to it. It's coming more and more of that. That's what we got. Mm-hmm. The last game to talk about on Saturday, Butler at Xavier. Interesting one out in the Big East. Moving on to Sunday, another big day. Last day of the regular season. Actually, let me go back to Saturday quick. A couple of conference tournament finals. Got the Ohio Valley. That's Belmont, um, Austin P. probably in that one. And then the Mountain West Conference, San Diego State, likely to advance to that one. We'll see who they play. Not Utah State. Wyoming's had a big run in the Mountain West tournament, surprisingly so. Go Cowboys. Yeah, they were Something like, like that. two and fourteen in the regular season in the league, and now they get them into, into the semifinal round. Crazy. Eight and twenty-three overall Ooh. into the semis. Okay, now on to Sunday, eleven o'clock early game. Massive one in the Big Ten as well. Number 25, Michigan, goes to number nine, Maryland. Their only regular season matchup should be a fun one. Absolutely. Maryland's dropped a few here in the last couple weeks. They had a two-game lead in the Big Ten like 10 days ago. It's gone now. Evaporated. That's why Wisconsin's still in the conversation for that one seed. Nebraska-Minnesota at noon on Sunday. And then another big one in the Big Ten. Number 19, Ohio State at number 16, Michigan State. Their only regular season game of the year. How about that? 
Cash Winston Senior Day. You yeah. You wait till the end to finally face someone. Same thing with the Huskers and Gophers. You last game there before you finally face somebody in the league. Just a little odd. Keep it a trifecta for only time playing someone. At 6 o'clock, you got Iowa-Illinois, only regular season matchup between those two, Iowa running and gunning. Illinois, not the same pressing team Brad Underwood likes to run, but they'll slow it down. They'll grind it out. Styles make fights. That should be another one. Absolutely. That's one worth That'll be worth a look in, at least, for that one. Poke in on that, and if you're not poked in on that, plenty of conference tournaments in action there. About the semifinals in the Southern Conference and the Patriot Leagues. A lot of people rooting for a two-bid. SoCon remains to be seen. East Tennessee State, the leader in that one. But there are three finals on Sunday. Missouri Valley's one of them, Arch Madness. Mm -hmm. Without Northern Iowa, the top seed, they fell today. Yeah, how about that? That's what happens. These teams get bounced, and then, you know, the fallback for Northern Iowa is because you win the regular season, you're guaranteed an NIT bid, but uh, it's just that's what happens a lot in these smaller conferences. That's not what Panthers were going for. They they still like Purdue clinging to to bubble hopes, think they can get in. We'll leave that up to the committee in a week from Sunday. In fact, you have the A-Sun final on Sunday as well. This one already set Lipscomb and Liberty. Liberty, the front runner in that conference, and then the Big South final, that one not officially set yet. couple NBA notes this weekend, not much on Saturday. Might watch Philly Golden State, Steph Curry back 23-6-7. It's good to see him shooting the ball again the other night. Absolutely. Not his best performance percentage-wise, but hit that buzzer beater, had a yep. nifty behind-the-back pass. Basketball is better when Steph Curry's playing. There's no question it is. The Warriors are better with Steph, but they're still missing Draymond Green out with injury, Clay Thompson out with injury. So not exactly ruining basketball, but <laughs> Steph Curry back on the court. Big ones on Sunday. Get Lakers Clippers, control of the thermostat, control of the hallway, ABC <laughs> uh, 230 game there. Another matchup between these two. Clippers all the way down in fourth in the West right now. Wow. How about that? Look like a super team when they get Kawhi signed in the offseason and now the fourth. Which means it could match up with the Lakers in the second round. They could. I'd be okay with that. I think there are a lot of people who would. Be. Yeah. The one thing the Clippers have going for them is that George and Leonard haven't played in all those games. Right. Varying load management. When they're together, they're really good. Lost once or twice all year with those two in the lineup. So, got to take that with a grain of salt. The other key NBA game on is Thunder at Celtics. Fun matchup there. Interleague battle, 5 o'clock at Boston. But most important, when Nebraska basketball is off the air on Sunday, got to get locked in for spring football. Starts on Monday. You know some people are going to be prepping over the weekend. A lot, lot of press conference activity Monday. We'll have a full report for you on Sports Sunday Monday night, but the head coach is going to talk. You're going to have a handful of players. You're going to have offense and defensive coaches all meet with the media. It's, it's, it's going to be a lot of intake coming on Monday, Austin. <laughs> Absolutely. Most wonderful time of the year. I mean, look at this. You got spring training going. You got college basketball in full swing, college football getting started, NFL news and notes trickling in and out, NBA. It's got it all. Best time of the year. Good stuff. Really good time. Yeah. All right. Well done. Thank you much. That's enough for people to stay busy. If you're not staying busy, it's on them. Plus, the weather's nice. You might probably sneak, you might want to go sneak outside for a little bit just to get out of the house. But there's enough for you to dip in there and have some of that as well. Good stuff there. All right, when we come back, Heather Brink, Husker women's gymnastics coach, will join us. She's got a big weekend ahead as well, as Austin detailed earlier. We'll have that coming up next. Welcome back. It's Sports Nightly here on a Friday night. Busy weekend for Husker women's gymnastics. We've got a big ribbon cutting and ceremonial thing going on tonight 
out there to open up the new Terry Pettit practice facility for both the men's and women's program. And then tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, the Huskers will take to the mats against the Missouri Tigers at the Devaney Center. We're delighted to be joined by a very busy Heather Brink. Hey, Coach, how are you? Hi, Greg. Good. How about you? Fantastic. I said big weekend because you've got a big event Friday, the little ribbon cutting for your new Francis Allen practice facility. You've got to be through the moon with this thing. Yeah, it's beautiful. They've worked really hard. Um, A lot of long hours went into this. A lot of planning went into it. Uh, So we're really excited to showcase that our alumni will be in town so they'll get an opportunity to see kind of what their legacy has built for us. Um, And obviously all the, um, you know, people with the university will be there. But, yeah, we're really looking forward to it, enjoying it. We've been in now about two weeks um, and just really kind of getting used to it. But – but really enjoy, enjoying the space and um, all the things that come with it. It has to make your life so much easier to centralize everything with your offices and then the practice right. facility in the same building, right? <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And just the layout of the gym um, makes the you know the efficiency of our act, our practice um, that much better. There's a lot more surfaces that the athletes can train on um, that help us with the longevity of their. Um, health of our you know of our gymnasts um, so really just kind of looking forward to to really you know using those and and um, using them to our advantage so that we can keep them healthy and kind of go the long stretch of season I know you're going to have some of the some university officials there will you have some of your alumni back at all for the ribbon cutting yeah I think um, I think there's about 150 or so that are RSVP'd wow. um, to come back so well that includes men um, cause it's both men and women's facility. Uh, so it's going to, it's going to be, uh, really exciting to have them in there. Looking forward to seeing a lot of them come back. Um, I think it'll be cool to hear a lot of their memories, um, of the spaces that they've, you know, used. I mean, the gym started out in the bottom of Mabel hall. The locker room was like wire baskets. And, um, now to be able to see what, what these student athletes have. Um, it's just always fun to hear their memories and the things that they remember about their time here at Nebraska. Fantastic. Well, I followed, I followed a lot of people on social media the day that you moved in and it just looked like your student athletes were <laughs> over the moon with, with getting in oh there and God. running around and testing everything out. It just looked like a blast. Yeah, they had a great time. We surprised them with, um, you know, bus to kind of take them over to, to be able to see it and kind of officially move their stuff into their locker room. Um, I think, they hadn't really seen it since, you know, maybe it was just cement going up where I had got to see it throughout its process. So it was really kind of cool for them to see the finished product and all the amenities that they have um, kind of at their fingertips with it. Uh, but, you know, I think they were just really excited to have this, this new equipment and um, everything's red and, you know, it just screams Nebraska when you walk in. Busy with Husker Women's Gymnastics coach Heather Brink here on Sports Nightly. Let's go back to, to February 21st. That's the last time you guys competed in the Big Five. You had a pretty good weekend. How did how did you feel about the, the event? Yeah, that was a good meet for us. Um, it kind of seeded us going into Big Ten championships in the evening session. So so that was an important win for us, keeping the, you know, the win-loss record within the top four in the Big Ten. So um, I was pleased with them. I think we had some, some kids out with, uh, you know, little ankle – brains here and there and uh and so some kids stepped up for us and uh really delivered some big scores it really took our whole team to be able to do that 
Um, and I'm just really proud of the, the work that they've put in, uh, buying into the process. And, and I think we still got a little bit more in our tank moving forward. But, um, but overall, that was, that was a good meet, a good road score for us um, and helped us in the rankings. Now you'll have back-to-back Saturdays at home at the Devaney Center. Missouri's up first on Saturday. You talked about having some bumps and bruises and some sore ankles. Are you better now, a couple weeks after the Big Five? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it just takes some time uh, for everybody to fully heal. We'll see how it kind of progresses, practice anyways, progresses as we get closer to that meet before we make any decisions. Um, I think ultimately we, you know, we need our kids healthy at the end of the season. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they're handling practice, you know, moving into that meet, but, um, we've got, we've got some depth on some events, so I think, uh, we'll be okay. Uh, and, and really, honestly, it gives an opportunity for some other people to step in and, and get some competition, um, under their belt and, and really, um, be able to enjoy that experience as well. How far in advance do you set the lineup for, for a duel? Uh, sometimes it's during the warm-up period. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes we have kids that are fighting for, you know, a spot in lineup, and, and we might warm up seven and only six get to actually compete. Um, and so we'll we'll tell them after warm-ups who, who's in lineup um, and who's not. Uh, I, think, I think it's good. I think it's healthy to have that depth on a team. I think it's healthy to have a little bit of competition for a spot. It just, you know, it just raises the bar in the competition level. And, and then a lot of times the – um, ones that get into lineup, they're prepared for it because they, you know, they had to compete even more so just to get the spot. So, um, you know, some events we don't have as much depth, um, and that lineup's decided a little bit earlier. But there's um, a couple of them that we, you know, wait until after that warm-up period. Every athlete wants to be out there for every competition, but as a coach, you have to think <laughs> bigger picture and think about the league yeah. meets in a few weeks, and then hopefully the NCAA's. Right. How hard is it sometimes to tell somebody, I know you think you're ready, but you you could really use another week to heal up whatever it is, a knee and ankle or whatever? Yeah, it's always hard, you know. I mean, you know how hard they work, or I see them day in and day out and the effort and the time and um, everything that they put in or invest into their, you know, their gymnastics. Um, so to tell them they don't get that reward is, is always a difficult thing. Um, if I had a crystal ball, life would be so easy. Uh, <laughs> um, it breaks, it breaks my heart sometimes, but, um, you know, you do, you got to do what you have to do for the long run of the team and, uh, and what's best for our team. Um, and ultimately, you know, that's a decision that, that the coaching staff has to make. Um, and, and we do it with the best intentions at heart, uh, in order to, like you said, to have the best. Um, team on the floor kind of for some of our postseason you know you know I know but, the goal the goal every year is to, to kind of maximize what you can out of your individuals how close absolutely. do you feel like this team is getting to their to their maximum potential you know I feel like we've put um, a couple of events together at every meet sometimes different events um, so I'm ready I'm ready for these kids to hit all four events on all four cylinders um, you know top to bottom I think we're what I would consider a mid-197 team capable of scoring um, that, that will help our, our, our national qualifying score. Um, and so I'm just really looking forward to it. We had a good week of practice last week. The kids are doing good this week, um, building on their confidence. They're coming in. They're, you know, knocking out routines. They're not making a lot of large mistakes. 
So now it just becomes more about uh, honing in and fine-tuning a little bit more of the, the mental performance aspect of it. Where where do you sit, Coach, as it relates to the NCAA regionals? Do you have an idea where you kind of are right now? Well, I know, I know what we're ranked, um, but rankings change every week right now based on scores. We're counting a little, bit, uh, little lower score, um, so hoping to kind of drop that one and be able to move up in the rankings. They'll seed us going into regionals after Big Ten championships. Um, so you kind of have an idea after that conference meet how things are stacking up in, um, in the tournament kind of thing. They, they put us on, um, uh, oh, my God, now what am I, bracket, a yeah. bracket system. Um, and so um, you kind of know how that's going to play out, or at least you have a little bit more of an idea at that time after Big Ten championships. And three weeks in a row, you got Missouri this Saturday, Denver next Saturday, both at the Devaney Center at 7 o'clock, and then at Big Tens in, in Columbus, Ohio on the 21st. Coach, we appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend. Hope you have a, a big night Saturday night. Hit a bunch of routines, and uh, we'll look forward to following <laughs> the Huskers. Thank you. I appreciate your time. And Coach Bring joined us on our Sports Sunday Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. When we come back, a look back at the week here on Sports Island. It's our weekend review coming up next.